everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're going to be talking about Devin's pick for the week, the 2008 film In Bruges. But before we get into that, um, we need to talk about a movie trailer that dropped recently. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it. Well, I do know if you guys saw it. The uh, <laughs> Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer dropped yesterday. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about it before we get into the show proper uh, and get your reactions to it. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of the new Venom trailer? It was pretty much what I thought it was going to be. In a good way, in a bad way? A entertainment way. Okay. <laughs> Devin, how about you? What did you think of the trailer? All right, look. So I saw the original Venom movie twice. Not because I was obsessed with it, but just because it just happened in my life. I don't know where I stand on the original Venom movie at all. I don't know that I like it. I don't know that I hate it. What I will tell you is I couldn't finish this freaking trailer. I tried <laughs> twice. Every time I got to the point where Venom goes, what's up, Mrs. Warfare? And like, what are you doing? Stop it. That's not Venom. Venom doesn't sing along while making breakfast. I hate it. Yeah, I mean, this trailer is weird. I haven't revisited Venom since I saw it in theaters opening weekend. But uh -huh. it's, um, I don't know how I feel about this movie. I how is the rest of the trailer? I mean, it's, car it's carnage. Like, they got rid of Woody Harrelson's wig, which bugs me. I Why wish did it they... bug you? That was awful. I, I, I wish they would just lean into the awfulness of it. Like, just keep it. Um, well, it seems like they're already Did you see the trailer? The of course they're leaning into the horribleness of it. <laughs> what was that i said did you see the trailer of course they're leaning into the horribleness of it oh but they, they didn't lean into the horribleness of that wig which was god awful uh it looked which like was... he, it looked like he took the mop from cheers like out of his closet and put it on his head um no i so this there's a few things about this movie that make me optimistic Okay. One, it's directed by Andy Serkis. What else does Andy Serkis do? He's Gollum. That, oh, dang it. that Andy Serkis. The one that's, who's that's almost enough for the me. The one who's behind all of the, the mocap stuff. Um I'm really interested to see what he does as a director of a big budget film. Because I'm sure he's done other stuff, but I, I can't name anything off the top of my head. Um, who directed the first one? Uh the guy who did Zombieland. Yeah, all right. That that makes sense. Yeah. Ruben Flesher. The I think. second thing that gets me kind of excited for this movie is the Daily Bugle. Because in the trailer the Daily Bugle's in it? They show the Daily Bugle. And the Daily oh. Bugle is a newspaper in this universe, not a vlog, uh InfoWars type show. <laughs> but not only is it is it a newspaper, it's the same newspaper as in the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies. Same design didn't, and everything. Didn't they tie it together to the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie a little bit in the first one too, though? I don't know how. I think I, the rumor that I keep seeing online is that they're retconning Spider-Man 3 completely. And trying to tie it into that universe. Like, Spider-Man 3 never happens because of whatever happens in Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm okay with it. Totally fine. Andy Serkis directed the Netflix reimagining of the Jungle Book called Mowgli. That is right. I oh, that was him. That. I forgot about that. Oh, I knew there was he something. Did a good job with that. I like that. So, if this movie ties into a Spider-Man universe, I think it's going to lean more into. I I wanted to lean into the, um, Amazing Spider-Man universe a little bit more. Like if Tom, uh, not Tom, if Andrew Garfield shows up, I'd be more okay with that than I would uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in this one. I think if any Spider-Man shows up in it, I think I'll be excited about it a little bit more. Ryan, how about your I thoughts? Mean, Does Venom need Spider-Man? No, no, not in this. So the way that for, so both of you guys have already said that you're both iffy on the Venom movie. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. just, just, you know, just memory wise, you're not sure if you actually like it or not where they left Venom off as a character in the first one. The whole, like, hi, or, you know, like, all that, like, goofiness <laughs> yeah. to it. That's Venom. Like, that is Venom that they left off from the first one. 
the goofy, stupid, wants to eat cops and whines when he can't Venom. And Carnage is, they really just show Carnage doing Carnage stuff. So, I mean, they really don't really roll into that character that much. But to me, this is what I was kind of expecting because I, I think I've seen it once or twice because I think I watched it once and I thought that it was ridiculous enough that Kristen might like it from like the funniness aspect of it. So yeah. I watched it twice. And the second time I watched it, I'm just like, this movie's horrible, but it's fun. And that's really the kind of like feeling I get from this trailer that, okay, this is just, you know, the people who, you know, made this character. This is just them really leaning into like the goofiness of, you know, this Venom character that they made. Yeah. So to me, everything in the trailer fits this whole Venom universe thing. So when Devin said, oh, he couldn't get past the whole part where he was like, you know, it's like, how's it hanging? I was like, yeah, but that's Venom. (laughs) That's Venom. Well, and, and it totally i mean you're right it totally was like this if we're looking strictly from the first movie in and of itself it's a natural progression of that character i yeah. think the parts of the movie where he was that like the part of the first movie where he was basically that character i didn't like anyway so i'm like oh good they're leaning into okay. the part i didn't like neat okay so we're and then at the same time i'm coming at like your like distaste of it the the same like I'm taking your hatred for this uh-huh. with the grain of salt and with a bit of reflection because of how I reacted when the Hellboy trailer came out. Because you guys know I like leaned into my hatred for that as soon oh, as that yeah. thing came out because I was like, this thing looks horrible. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, I got to the movie and I couldn't get more than like a minute into it without turning it off because I was like, this is exactly what, you know, <laughs> this is exactly the nonsense I thought they were going to do. Yeah. Um, so I get it, you know, you like Venom, there's a certain, you know, you've got a certain, you know, image in your head, and this is not it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so exactly. I, I get it. I get it. It's just, I find it funny that w- when you messaged us in group chat, it was, oh, I got it to where it says, you know, where he says, how's it hanging? And then I just turned it off. And I'm thinking to myself, did he not like the way he said, how's it hanging? Or do you not like the phrase, how it's hanging? And, and he never answered me when I asked no, that. No, it's, it's all of it. So it's not only the fact that Venom goes, how's it hanging? Which is ridiculous to me. But then he does like a little like symbiote like salute through his back. He's like, how's it hanging? And I'm like, stop it. Just stop it. Okay. Okay. okay so he, he does that to the shop owner. And then yeah. later in the trailer, um, Eddie Brock has to tell Venom, no, we can't eat her. <laughs> Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Alright, so if you're in the chat right now, let us know what you thought of the Venom Let There Be Carnage trailer. I just want to bring up a, a fun fact that COVID has brought us to this point, and I think it's funny as hell. Um, so this movie is coming out in September. September 24th is when we get Venom. Uh, Morbius, the other Spider-Man villain spinoff that Sony is doing outside of the MCU, is coming out January 22nd. 2022 Weird. we got the first trailer for morbius back when they just started filming venom <laughs> the first trailer for morbius dropped january 13th 2020 and we're getting venom first that's so weird it is uh and we're getting a spider-man movie before we get the morbius movie so hold on does the fact that the morbius movie is dropping in january mean that it's going to be a worse movie because i like i kind of fall into the whole like january is where movies go to die the camp uh i mean before covid probably but anything's game now like i don't know what it means anymore for a movie coming out in january um in a year when sonic the hedgehog was the best movie to come out that's well, okay. D- 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 by by box office, you're 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 talking b- box office, right? I don't know if I'm talking. I I don't know what the box office numbers are for Sonic. I just think like in terms of like enjoyability, like I think it had to compete with like that and like I don't know what else came out. Tiger King in 2020. I think it was like those I, were the. Okay. I don't count TV shows when going against movies. Okay, so the yeah. the, the box office for 2020. Uh, let's do the top ten. Uh, number 10 was Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford and the dog. Oh, yeah. You know, the, pre- the prequel to Star Wars where he starts hallucinating Chewbacca. Uh, <laughs> number 9 was The Invisible Man. Uh, right. Number 8 was Little Women. 
Number seven was Doolittle with Robert Downey Jr. Number seven was Doolittle. Yeah. Ew. Number six was Birds of Prey. All right. Uh, number five was uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker because that came out in December, so it kind of carried over, and still did better than uh, still did better than Tenet. Wow. Uh, wow. Number four was Jumanji: The Next Level, which also was a carryover <laughs> from 2019. Um, Sonic was number three. Okay. Uh, 1917 was. <laughs> number two and that was still a carryover i think that's a carryover yeah yeah and then boy bad boys for life was number one with 204 million dollars wow uh sonic only made 146 million what a year for movies guys so if you don't count the two that are carryovers onward and tenant round out the top 10 of 2020 films wow so yeah, 2020 is a weird year. Luckily, we're in 2021. So much uh, better, guys. Yeah. So much. Is it? No, not even. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's too too soon to tell. Um, yeah. But that does it for our talk on Venom. Uh, we'll probably do a... I, I'm going to have to revisit Venom 1 before this one comes out, so... Only in theaters, though, guys. They're really, they're really emphasizing that now. Oh, is it really only, only in theaters? theaters? Only in theaters, yeah. Like, oh man. I mean, what's Jedi, per- wait. What is Sony going to put it on Crackle? Like what? <laughs> um, yeah, that that's the Sony streaming service. That's all they've got because their de- their deal with uh, Netflix doesn't kick in until next year. So, oh, got it. But all right, so that does it for our talk on Venom. And it gets us into the show proper today. Uh, today, it's Devin's pick for a film. We're going to be talking about the 2008 film, In Bruges, starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and Rafe Fiennes. Devin, take it away. So, before I take it away, I want to, I want to apologize for something. I realized this about me about halfway through this week. I can't say this movie's name without accidentally sounding a little a little bit of a jerk. Like, I can't just say, like, I don't know. I have to say in Bruges. Like, I have to say it with some, like, lilt. I don't know why. Devin, you've um, been living in London for almost six months now. It was bound to happen. It It was bound to happen. Right. It's a natural progression. Also, your video video is very grainy. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good. It's not just me. I look good to me. Let me just... This has oh, to be it, it. It, 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 it's. I think it, it's, it's pixelated. A, it's a connection thing. It's not the camera. Hundred percent. Actually, for... believe it or not, that actually worked a little bit. All right, told you. There yeah. we go. Here we go. Yeah. This is it. Better. And now you look like you're in South Park. No, no. <laughs> Dang it. Uh. <laughs> um. All right. So, In Bruges is a 2008 movie written by Martin McDonough. I didn't realize who wrote and directed this movie until looking it up. Martin McDonough is the same one that did Three Billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Which, love. So it is no surprise why I picked this movie. We did an episode on that a while back. You can find on our YouTube channel and in our podcast feed. wherever You you can listen to us wherever you get podcasts. I actually really like that episode. Definitely give that a a listen. So this movie is, like you said, starring Will Ferrell, Brendan Gleeson, Ralph Fiennes, Clement Posey. Colin Farrell, not Will Ferrell. Did I say Will? You did. I thought I said, I, you know what? I swear I called him Colin for a second. All right, good. Colin Farrell. Um, Brendan Gleeson, Ralph Fiennes, Clemens Posey, and Jordan, I think his name's Prentice. Uh, the cast is great. The cast is also mostly in Harry Potter movies. But the cast is great. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because that's all I could think of throughout the first half <laughs> of this movie. Good. It was like, okay, so there's Mad-Eye Moody. And then, okay, Voldemort. And then, yeah. oh, I haven't seen Fantastic Beasts, but I know you become a guy. Right. <laughs> Got it. So just talking about this movie, I watched this movie, I think just kind of on a whim one day. I was like, I heard this movie's good. It's been on my list. I'm just going to watch it. And then I became obsessed with it. Uh, I love this movie. And I want to know, what, that's why I made you guys watch it. So I want to know what you guys thought. So, uh First off, has anyone seen this movie prior to today? 
I had not, but it's been on my list for a while. I think I took it out from the library at one point and just never got to it. <laughs> Ryan, did you see watch, watch it before? I've never heard of it before you mentioned it, so. Oh, wow. Like, never even heard of it? No. Okay. So, with that in mind, what did you think? Um, I don't care who goes first. Ryan, you go first. Like, 45 minutes in, I paused, and I was like, I wonder how much time has gone by. And uh-huh. I saw how much time had gone by 45 minutes in, I was like, there's only like 20 minutes of storyline in this so far. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I know that you've said in the past that you're like a very slow burn movie, like, you know, like movie person, like mm-hmm. No Country for Old Men is like, would be uh, right up your alley. It is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It is. Not for me. So going into that aspect, I did like the storyline. I'd like the premise of it. But this movie is what, like an hour and 30 some minutes long? It's an hour 46. An hour and 46. If I were to like cut out and like shorten everything that... I would want to this Uh would seriously be like an hour and 15 hour and 20 minute movie (laughs) okay um i I, it's good here's my all that okay here's my counterpoint to that uh Mm -hmm. if you'd cut out everything ryan wants to cut out of this movie you cut out everything i love about this movie (laughs) (laughs) i absolutely love this film to the point where it's set at christmas i'm watching this every year at christmas now (laughs) um good no i i it is a slow burn like i did i had that moment too because i i was watching this at work so i had to pause it at one point and i was like okay like i'm down with this like i thought we were further along because it the dialogue just makes it go you don't Mm -hmm. realize how slow it is actually going but the interactions between colin farrell and brendan gleason like and just their reactions to bruges in general uh was fantastic to me. I love their dynamic. Um, and then you bring in Ray Fiennes at the end and he adds a whole nother level to this story. <laughs> and I don't want to say he steals the movie because the other two did great, but Ray Fiennes steals this movie. Um, <laughs> and it does a lot of stuff that I kind of predicted. Um, and we can get into that later. Um, Solomon in the chat said the dialogue is the best. Uh, Solomon's right. I know he, he watched the movie this afternoon to tune into the show today. So thank you. We appreciate it. That's awesome. Thanks, Solomon. So yeah, I absolutely love this. So, well, this makes me realize that I think I'm a sucker for really good dialogue, mostly because I really like Sorkin and I really like, like the the social network, I think is his big one. Mm -hmm. Like that's like, I just man, give me some like cleverly written or believable dialogue, and I will. I don't know. I, I just love it all the time. So, okay. on that end, Ryan, is that not your your bag then? No, no, no. It is. Um, there are just a few conversations in this that I don't understand why they were in there, except for like a small payoff joke, like forty minutes later. Okay, so that that gets into what I love about this movie. Uh, there's a lot of hints about where it's going and Mm -hmm. like little, um, we talk a lot about Chekhov's gun. Like you show something to have it pay off later. The, the biggest moment for me that, that, that I even stopped myself watching the movie. I was like, Oh, that's going to happen later is when Brendan Gleeson goes to the top of the tower and like finger guns at Colin Farrell. I was like, poo. I was like, okay, that's going to happen later. And then he goes up to the top of the tower at the end of the movie and doesn't use his gun, but does other stuff. I don't want to spoil too much about the ending of this film yet, but it it does have a payoff later. Um, That's not exactly what I'm talking about, but I mean, because that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. What I'm talking about is... I'm talking about like things that you see, but there is some dialogue payoff. Go ahead. Okay, so what I'm talking about is like the, I don't know, 10, five minute scene where the characters are in the hotel room and they're having Mm -hmm. a party and 
the one character goes on a coke bender ranting about stupid crap and then later <laughs> on it turns into like uh you know it's like a two-line joke like w when it comes to movies and when it comes to like having a, a character rant about something it's usually for a couple reasons. One, the writers trying to get a point across that they have in their head that they've always wanted to like say publicly, but never had an opportunity to, so they use that to do it. Or two, there's something that they heard somebody say once that they found was completely ridiculous and stupid and put a character to be that stupid to actually say it. And I get that. It's just with a movie that's so pinned on dialogue and has a plot line that is so dedicated to just the words to have that kind of a scene and it threw me completely off just like with Alan and the TV and the 1997 Godzilla movie where with the uh, news comes on at the diner and he gets thrown off completely because you know she sees her old college boyfriend like to me that's how thrown off I was with this okay so, I, I I get where <laughs> you're, what you're saying and I mm. kind of have a defense for it for the film later Okay, that, I, that's I, fine. I don't want to get into it later. But just remind me, I have a, a point, a counterpoint to that as well. <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into spoilers <laughs> now, though. Okay, okay, that's fine. But like the stuff I cut out, it has nothing to do with dialogue except okay. for that one part. Um, it has to do with like they're 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 in Bruges and they're on the riverboat taking the tour and they're talking back and forth about you know like how they like the place and the older guy's like oh i love it here and the younger guy's bored out of his mind and they have their conversation and then they stop talking and the older guy kind of turns and looks at the scenery and they stay on him for like 15 seconds just looking around mm -hmm. like i'd cut that scene like two seconds maybe maybe five seconds after that conversation ended to show him looking around and enjoying himself and then cutting it because to me you don't need that 10 extra seconds of bathing in the scene i don't want to bathe in the scene i want the story to move along you just want the action to happen <laughs> so what did you guys think of the characters because in this like i love these characters and i feel like i would hate them if i met them in real life like i feel yeah. like colin farrell and i would never get along and i feel like i'd think that i think i know his name's ken in the movie um who is it not uh brendan gleason he and I just would like I, he'd be like very boring for me, but I love it. So this. the they're both they're all the main characters in this are bad people. Yeah, I I think everyone I don't think there's a good guy in this movie. Um, Colin Farrell's definitely a jackass, especially to American tourists. Um, <laughs> I love that by the way. I'm sorry, but I absolutely loved that stereotype that they played in this movie. I oh, loved so that. Yeah. No, it was perfect. It was. Uh, they're both hitmen. Like you're not supposed yeah. to like them, but I think yeah. the movie does a great job of making them sympathetic, because. So the premise of the movie is they're hiding out because Colin Farrell had a hit that went bad, and you mm -hmm. learn about, uh, slight spoilers, but mm -hmm. you learn that he accidentally killed a kid, and when that happened, my jaw dropped. Like it, it just hit me right. Like, oh, like I don't know if I can like this guy now. Because I liked yeah. him up to a little bit up to that point. I was like, oh, that that's rough. But then you see how it's affecting him, and they don't re they kind of beat around the bush a little bit before they reveal that. Um, but I think you get to see him through a different lens after that point, and he's still there. He's still it humanizes him. He's not a likable character, but he's humanized, mm -hmm. and I I can appreciate that. I mean, I think the movie does... That's the one thing that I think like, I like about the characters, is the movie does do that to every character. I mean, even to... What's his name? It's not... I want to say it's not Andy Serkis. It's Ralph Fiennes. That's it. Uh, Jimmy? Ralph Rafe. Fiennes. It's Rafe. Is it Rafe, Rafe Fiennes? It's Ra Rafe Fiennes, yes. Oh, Rafe Fiennes. I'm surprised you haven't talked about it over tea with him in London. <laughs> He's probably right down the block. What was his character name? He was Harry. He was the one that was on the phone. Okay. Harry. Okay. Voldemort. I, yeah. Yeah. Voldemort. Yeah. With so, a nose job. <laughs> with a oh, nose. Like right, <laughs> with a nose. Which is weird to see, to be honest. <laughs> no, his character I thought was so great because he, for the longest time, came across as the most two-dimensional character. Because you would only hear one side of him on the phone. But then when you actually got to see things from his perspective, he was this great family man. 
and had a very strong sense of principles, which I thought paid off in a very fun way at the end. But like, I, nobody in this is all good and nobody in this is all bad. And that's what I think is the coolest. Mm, they may not be all good and all mm-hmm. bad, but they're all jerks and yeah. they all got what they deserved. Fair. I, yeah. I can, you know what? Fair. I think fair. I think yeah, if we're looking at it from a strictly moralistic standpoint, I think, yeah, yeah. totally. I mean, I, I think I just love the idea that this like hitman who's been in the game for years and years and years is going to pull out a guidebook and go, well, I think today is going to be a great mix of educational and fun. Like, I give me more of that character in other yeah. movies. <laughs> like, uh, damn it. Well, the, the was it? Um, I was watching a documentary on oh, it was on Netflix. It's some guy that went to jail, and the entire documentary is basically him talking about his experience, like in a chair, and it's just him explaining, you know, it's like him in jail and everything. And he was talking about how, like, in jail, you've got the people that like they're there for car theft or rape and all this other horrible stuff, but then you've got like the legit murderers. Yeah. And how, like, the ones in jail that end up don't, like, taking their own life are the most normal, everyday people you'll meet in jail. Oh, really? Because they're, because they're like, you know, because they're like, oh, I killed someone. I'm gonna go have some coffee. <laughs> like, to them, it's no different than, like, oh, crap, I saw a cat get run over in the street. And you're upset about it for five minutes, and then you move mm-hmm. on with your day. Like, that's how they view, like, people who are in that mindset or part of our like society that's how they that's that's how they handle it and so him doing that i really like that aspect of his character because to me that's believable yeah the movie does a lot of stuff with character that i think is really cool and i mean and i think cool by way of believable because i think this movie is like (laughs) this movie is like my weird idea of what a comedy should be in much the same (laughs) way in much the same way that, like, Marriage Story is my idea of no, what a rom-com uh, no, no, should uh, be. I'm not listening to that. I'm not listening to the... That was so, a Ryan comment. So, Devin, if you could... Are there any other films that fit this style of comedy for you? You know what's weird? I was thinking about it. Pulp Fiction does. Okay. For like, me... Where it's, yeah. for, for me, it was more... I was thinking more along the lines of The Nice Guys and... Kiss, kiss, mm-hmm. bang, bang. Because you have that two-character dynamic back back and forth. See, I have one, but it's not two-character dynamic. It's Reservoir Dogs. Oh, okay. man. Yeah. That's kind of similar with me with this. Because, I mean, the thing is, like, I'll watch... I will definitely be watch, Like, I definitely have and mm-hmm. will like... And, and, and will watch Reservoir Dogs again several times before probably ever watching this one, because I feel like that movie to me does a better job at this than this movie does. I can see that. Um, because it's multiple people, not just two. Yeah. It's more people. It's a little faster pace. And it definitely, at least in the first watch, it has that mystery aspect that this one doesn't have. This one doesn't tell you what you don't know until like, you just go along and you keep picking up these breadcrumbs and go, Oh, Oh, this, which I think (laughs) is cool. Yeah. In the chat, uh, Solomon brought up this point, which I, I want to talk about a little bit. We're all people. We are all people, and it's like it was their job. But when they aren't killing, they're just enjoying the other parts of life. Just because you're good at violence doesn't mean it's all of you, which I think is a good point to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's part of what the movie was saying. Like, it was amazing to see like this like super crass man just be like literally apologized to his wife. I mean, I know this might be a little spoiler at the end, but like at one point, uh, Rafe Fiennes says, uh, like yells his wife, like, you're an inanimate object. And then like a second later, he's like, listen, I'm so sorry I called you an inanimate object. I was I was acting out of anger. And then he goes to kill two people. Like, yeah. <laughs> which like, I love. Like it's, yeah. it's such a believable dynamic. Uh, you know, it's creepy. I mean, you've got probably the nicest interaction you've ever had with a stranger in public. It's more than likely probably killed somebody. Right. <laughs> right. So we talked a lot about characters. There's one character we didn't bring up 
that I really want to hear your guys' perspective on. How did you feel about Bruges? Because Bruges is totally a character in this. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, believe it or not, um, I liked how they used Bruges in this. Like, yeah? it, I learned a lot about Bruges I did not know. Like, it still has all the Renaissance <laughs> designs. Um, and it's in Belgium, which the tra- which the poster <laughs> points out to you specifically. Like, if you look at the, the video here, uh, underneath in Bruges, there's a little bit of white text before you get to all the credits. It says, it's in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. See, I feel like it means more and it probably hits more of a funny, funny bone with people from Britain or from Europe, you know, the whole like in Bruges thing to me, because I was thinking about it and I'm like what they're talking about and how they're going about the city. I'm like, if this was filmed in America with, you know, like an American, you know, like American hitmen or whatever, like did a hit in like Canada or something and had to come down to the U.S. to like hide out for two weeks. They totally go to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what this is. Like, that's how I took it. So I don't know what a town like Lancaster would be in Mexico, but it would be that town in Mexico would be like the same thing. Like whatever town that is popular for being stuck in time. Ryan, I, I think I'm going to stop you there because you just struck gold. We're going to write <laughs> the American version of this. Instead of it being called In Bruges, it's going to be called Amish Paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. So, Devin, my, my main question for you about Bruges is, have you been there? I've driven past it. I haven't actually spent time in it, and this movie makes me wish I had. Okay. But do you have any plans yeah. to go there when the world is more normal than it is now? 100%. I mean, Bruges is, I think, a 70-pound train ride or something like that. Like, And it's maybe two hours away or something. Like, I can't wait to go. Because, I mean, it looks beautiful. Like, even the shots of it, like, I think are really cool. That's a... De- that, 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 that 70 pounds is a definitely a decent weighted trip. It's a very heavy trip. I have to carry a lot. It, decently weighted, not that heavy. It's a lot of baggage. 70 pounds doesn't... Is, it is a lot of baggage, yes. <laughs> luggage speaking. So oh, no, I wasn't even of... talking luggage. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing that much pot along? That's interesting. <laughs> it's allowed there. I was going to say. I love, that, <laughs> I love that Brussels, or, yeah, Brussels and Bruges and, and all of Belgium, basically, according to the Netherlands, is, like, the crazy country. Like, in the Netherlands, where you have Amsterdam, which, like, has its own reputation, they're like, oh, yeah, but we're not we're not Brussels. All I know about uh, Belgium... Yeah, yeah. yeah. All I know about Belgium is that's where Doctor Evil is supposed to be from, <laughs> and I only know that from the third one. Yeah, because he's adopted by uh, a Belgian couple. That's yeah. awesome. In, I didn't in know the third that. One. Yeah, so I, I, that's all I know about Belgium. Uh, and Another the, one for the list, by the way. I haven't seen the third Austin Powers movie. Eh. Eh. <laughs> that's the reaction I get from a lot yeah. of people. Eh. You're, you're better off, like. No, 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 the third one's good, the third one's funny, you can't watch the first two and not watch the third. The, th- the third one is funny, it has some of the best lines, like, how about no, you freaky Dutch bastard? Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. man. And the, I mean, Ryan, your pick's next week, if you want to make him watch Austin Powers and Goldmember, go for it. That movie might be yeah, no, we're doing it. going to the Netherlands soon. We're, no. <laughs> We're doing it. I had a whole list to pick out from, but we're doing that because I needed to do a break before I did Aliens 3. And and that's a perfect I mean, break. I mean, we could always just wait until James Bond comes out. And like, so uh, the new- I'm not waiting until James Bond comes out. We're doing because we never know. What we're doing it next. Out. Yeah. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> All right. No. So apparently, my my one fact that I had about Bruges was apparently um, this movie caused this like huge uptick in amount like number of films that wanted to be filmed in Bruges to the point where like the the like agency there had to tell people to stop filming there and that in fact they weren't happy with how the film was how the city was portrayed in the movie because Colin Farrell kept calling it shit I mean that's the point though like he's right, not exactly. happy to be there I I think the yeah. best best use of Bruges is Ray Fine's character being like, I wanted to give him something good to go out on. 
because right. his whole plan is he's going to kill Colin Farrell in Bruges. Yeah. Um, in Bruges. And I really like that, like, to him, to Ray Fiennes, this is a magical place. It's like, it's he makes it sound like the Magic Kingdom. Like, he does. He really does. Uh, or or uh, far, far away from the Shrek movies. Um, <laughs> it... To him, like to him, for him having like these childhood memories and not wanting, like wanting to give something good to somebody before killing them, I thought it was a really interesting dynamic for the bad guy, uh, the antagonist. Like just something, having them go out on a high note, I guess, is kind of honorable. Like he has a he has a strange code. Well, he does because especially like how you're introduced to him is they're waiting for him. I heard that. This movie has hints of waiting for Godot in the beginning of it. I I don't know. I've never seen it. Um, I've seen the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia parody of it, and that's all I have to go on. <laughs> and uh, sure, I guess that part's close. Have you guys I seen Waiting parodies. for Godot? No. No. Have you, Ryan? I've I've heard of it enough. Yeah, it's to on be my like, list. Okay, that sounds right. <laughs> Good. But, like, I just, again, I just love that, that character thing where, like, you know, hey, he's this jerk, but he wants to give Colin Farrell this really nice thing. How did you guys feel about the use of, and I know this is kind of a touchy subject, but the use of, in, in depiction of suicide in the movie? Uh, and I, I say it because I think it's handled well, but I want to get other people's opinion on this. Right, seems got... believable to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think the my biggest thing is that they made a lot of light of it when it came to um the what it came to the character Jimmy. Like Colin Farrell spends a lot of time asking him like it all like, he has a weird amount of trivia about little people who have off themselves. Like yeah. he talks about the guy from Fantasy Island um and like he's like talking about it a lot to this character. One of the things is like they they use terms in this movie that you can't use in twenty twenty one. No. Um, so that's why I'm saying little person. I think mm-hmm. that's right. I think that's what you're supposed think, to say now. I think so. Um. So that that was a little awkward. Other than that, I I think it did a great job of depicting uh, Colin Farrell's mental health. Like he's unstable. Like he is suicidal. Mm-hmm. Like he's having trouble dealing with this trauma that he inflicted on himself. Um, mm-hmm. Cause he goes to kill a priest and he ends up killing a kid too. And like, it's that scene's still heart wrenching for me. Like that, at that point I was like, I don't know if I can keep going. Like if I ever want to watch this again, but the rest of the movie made it made up for it. Like it didn't make up for it, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, like it was a hard it scene. It's, a, it's yeah. a hard scene to take, but it it handled mm-hmm. it very well. It gave it the appropriate sense of of weight, where it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't played as a joke. It was played as the very serious, life altering thing that it was. And then, of course, they also have one of the other characters. Like he makes a comment about it, and he follows through on what he said that he would do in that situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're so, what, I mean thirty eight minutes in. Can we can we spoilers now? Yeah, I think we're going to get into spoilers because there are two people watching and I'm pretty sure one of them watched the film. So. Perfect. All right. So what did you guys think of the end? Because this end, when I first watched it, I was I thought the movie changed tones into just a straight freaking farce. Well, I can definitely tell you that when Harry showed up in Bruges, to mm-hmm. me, the movie got better overall. Okay. Just the pacing, everything, it got a lot better for me. Mm-hmm. Um it also gave Voldemort a chance to finally kill off Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Kill that. Yeah. The schoolboy. Uh, okay. I want to talk about that for a minute. That, that <laughs> yes. is one of the uh, checkoff guns I was talking about. Yes. Um, did you catch it? Like, did you know that was going to happen later? As soon as he stumbled onto the film set, I was like, wait, what is going on here? He's like, they're on a film. They're on the film set. He's going to be in the kid uniform. He's going to be in the school uniform. Oh my god, this is brilliant! Like it just <laughs> blew my mind. Uh. Decide if that was taken, if that was intended or not. But 
so, okay, so going back to what Ryan was talking about, about the uh, the cocaine-induced dialogue yeah, earlier right. in yes. the film. I think that's one of the moments of the film that is supposed to make one of these characters I- irredeemable. Because uh, he's going Which off... Which is him. Yeah, he goes off about yeah. this race war that he thinks is coming. Um, and you're not, supposed to not like that character from that point on. That way, when you get to the end... It's kind of uh, poetic, because like if it if it was like, do you get what I'm saying? I no, I absolutely no, do. I get it, but let me tell you about my whole experience with like that scene and how I reacted when like I realized that that guy was going to die. Mm-hmm. That whole scene, I was just like, oh my god. It's- race war crap and then i just kind of stopped listening for a little bit and then i caught the whole like well what about the vietnamese and i was like oh my god this is getting dumber and dumber and dumber so i just kind of like stopped listening to it i'm like okay fine the character's racist Mm -hmm. and then they get to the point where jimmy comes over he gets to the table and he kind of apologizes for the things that he said and he was like hey man that was like coke me like don't listen to like coke me like that's not who i am and then when he got on set and I realized it was going to happen, I'm like, no, no, don't kill him too. Don't kill him too. I want the one guy to die, but not him. Like, oh my God. But then I remembered, oh, but that, but then he said that he'd, you know, off himself if that would happen. Mm-hmm. And it was just a whole circle. I was like, oh my God, why? Like, okay, fine. To me, it would have been so much better if they would have had him because, I mean, like Jimmy was there at the hotel with a the prostitute. Mm-hmm. They make that painfully clear. Yes. So... Why not have a scene where he passes up a couple prostitutes who aren't white and picks up a white one? Like literally just to like drive that point home because he waved it away with his In- instead of the I would of the dialogue. I would I um I would rather it be more of an action and then two characters kind of like, did you just see that? You know he's American, right? And then just have it be that. And then at the table, him bring it up. And then he goes, what? No, no, that's not who I am. You know, it's like really fake defensive about it. And mm-hmm. then they kill him off. To me, that would have been been like, oh, yeah, no, he's racist, whatever. <laughs> but I mean, instead, I get this whole Coke binge that I just block out of my head because it was, <laughs> to me, it was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, the, one of the biggest things we've talked about in this film is dialogue. It's very dialogue centric. And I think it's mm-hmm. yeah better to have him go off on that tangent than it is like, like he's totally crazy and you're supposed to not like him from that point on. Um, yeah. I, I think the di- they just use dialogue to get you there instead of having him pass up po- prostitutes. And that's fine. If that's how this movie, you know, like, because obviously also, it's how they made the movie. I also don't think that the uh, tourism borough of Bruges wanted uh, a scene where they have a guy choosing from prostitutes. <laughs> I think it's better. Well, just, I mean, I think it'd be better. I don't care what it, the city borough wants. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I think it's better to have a, the prostitute be like, oh, yeah, I'm from Amsterdam. But I figured I'd come here. to. <laughs> it's like, hmm. yeah, it's it's like an Uber driver, like going out of the big city to like a smaller town right just to try to get more hits like <laughs> yeah well so when it comes to when i see something that's done in a way that i absolutely would not want to have that scene carried out in i mm-hmm. i react to it to one or two ways one i go oh okay well this is interesting and that yeah. and i just run with it and then there's the reaction i have that i had to this which is okay this is just re- ridiculously stupid to me and i just kind of block it out and i go why didn't they just have them like do this a different way but obviously i didn't make it i didn't write it it wasn't my vision (laughs) so it's not going to be done like that but to me how the 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 message to me where i wouldn't have blocked it out the way i did was if it was done in a kind of in your face slash subtle way which i know that's kind of a contradiction in terms but still like i i I would have liked it been done more of an action that you see happen rather 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 than somebody going off on a like race war, which is kind of a butt of a joke. I've seen a lot in 80s movies when they whenever they want to like dumb down a character, they have them go on about a race war. It's true. And it's probably only one or two movies I've seen it done in, but it's still in my head because it's so stupid. All right. You need to stop (laughs) saying race war before Twitch flags us. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. 
there is a payoff that was strictly verbal that was my favorite payoff of the whole movie. And that was the payoff of the Americans. Where yes. that night yeah. the tower was closed because someone had a heart attack at the top. Oh my gosh. That's everything I wanted it to be. That, Dang that, it, movie. I think that's my favorite mm-hmm. moment of the film. Like, yeah. It's such a great payoff to something that happens earlier. Like the, oh, you're not going up there. It's narrow stairways. And the guy's like, the hell did you just say to me? And they, they get into a fight. And then the guy gets winded because he can't keep up with Colin Farrell. Yep. And then Brandon Gleason comes down and he's like, what was that all, all that about? Oh, they're not going up there, are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, a great yeah. comedic so, scene. My favorite uh, foreigner moment has to do uh, with the like realization that that was at the couple he uh, knocked out were Canadian and not American. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and it was it, it was I love that realization in his face. He's like Canadian, and then he sees him. He's like oh, Canadians, and it was almost <laughs> like he, it was one of those things where. He, you could tell that he assumed that they were probably American. Mm-hmm. And that's why he reacted the way he did instead of they were Canadian. And he's like, oh, crap. I just I, I, I just knocked out two Canadians. I, I love that he's still holding a grudge about John Lennon. <laughs> right. Well, and that proves one of the, or not proves, but shows one of the things that the movie, I think, does really cool is that, like, you can have honorable intentions and end up doing a terrible thing. Like, he punched out the Canadian because he was defending John Lennon. He had a, I mean, defending John Lennon is fine, but you don't need to punch out a Canadian for it. Like, they did a bad thing for a good reason. No, 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 you do. <laughs> Just imagine. That's, I hate that's, it. that's all I got. <laughs> that was all you wanted. All right, so you guys have more experience in this area than I do. So you guys probably took more away without internet research than I did. Uh... How did you feel about the religious part of the movie? Because I I know like zero things about religion. I know that like, you know, I, I, very base level, like what I got from like movies. Okay. Um, I think I know what you're getting at. So yeah, cause it's the, big in this movie. So this, the scene at the beginning with the, the murder that goes wrong, mm-hmm. that, I like the way they revealed who I'm glad I didn't watch the trailer for this because the trailer gives away who he kills. Oh, wow. Um, it does the whole confessional thing. I, I liked mm-hmm. the uh, confrontation with the priest in the, in the confessional. I thought that was very well done uh, and not something I've seen too often. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, the little kid getting ready to go into confession kind of, I think part of the reason that hit home for me is because I was that little kid once uh, I remember having to like write down what I was going to say to the priest at, for confession. Um, but I think one of the biggest religious themes of this, and I think it has to do with the, it enforces the character of Bruges itself is the discussion mm-hmm. of purgatory. Yeah. Like you're not in heaven. You're not in hell. You're in Bruges. Like that's, I, I think Bruges does a great stand in for purgatory because that's pretty much where Colin Farrell's character is like he's he's here because of what he did and he doesn't know what happens next mm-hmm. yeah did you guys uh, yeah. both pick up on that like right away because I like I knew there was some like religious something going on and I was like I guess I'll find it at some point and then I like needed the internet to drive it home for me no I, I picked up on it right away um, like I said I was at work watching this. So mm-hmm. I, I'm sure on future view, viewings when they're in the church and at the museum, I'll pick up on some other stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, that was that, that hit me hard. Like that, mm-hmm. that hit me like right in the face um, with the purgatory anal- analogy. Yeah. Brian, did you get that yeah, one too? I, yeah. I mean, it, it makes complete sense. I mean, there, there's more to the whole purgatory thing, but you know, in like the dogma of it, but I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty much what it is. Like he's in limbo. Like he's not paying for what he did, but mm-hmm. he's not forgiven for what happened. So he's in limbo just waiting, you know, like it's waiting. It's, it's like having, it's not like having, but it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same analogy you could use for purgatory. It's like having a loved one in surgery and you're waiting in the family waiting room. 
Sure. Waiting to find out if the surgery went well or if they're not going to come out. Like, it's one of those deals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really like the the purgatory analogy. Um, I only really only did I only did like confession once. <laughs> oh, yeah. I uh, I wasn't told by my parents to have to, to do it or whatever. So like we never I never did until like I had to for like my CCD classes um as like a little catholic kid going through like the education part of catholicism yeah. and um it was kind of an awkward experience because we didn't have the cubicle booth we had a room Ew. and you walked into the room and there was a wall with the screen that you could sit on but there's but like the wall ended and there was a good like 10 feet to like the next area and the room was just white and you could like walk around and there would be a chair like a lazy boy and you could talk face to face uh, is with the priest if you wanted. Yeah. So my church yeah, had that and, too. Nope. No yeah. Thing. So, so well, I mean, you got like 10, 12 years old. Like I know, th- you know, it's like I knew the priest. So it was one of those things where it's like it's kind of silly to tell him that like I don't listen to my parents all of the time through a screen when like he knows my voice. Like why would I want to? Like that's just super awkward. So you know, like we talked, and I think I like I think I like I told him I was like. Well, this is the first time I'm doing this, so I'm not really sure what to say. And then he told me, well, didn't you write it down? And I was like, yeah, but I can't read it because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> and I can't read my own handwriting. And he kind of like laughed a little bit. He's like, oh, yeah, no, that's right. You know, because him and I, we yeah. knew each other. So dyslexic, yeah, that's five like, Hail Marys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think I had to go through probably 15 beads of the rosary, I think, with all the stuff that I told him about. So I don't think it was too bad, but... I don't know. I mean, that was like the one and only time. That's not like I, I think that was like the one and only time I ever did confession. Tune like, in next week when we make Catholic confession. confession. Oh, it's yeah. gonna be so awkward. <laughs> um, oh man. Uh, so to that like whole purgatory thing, there was a quote that I didn't get, and it needed explained to me. Ryan, I was wondering if you caught. So they were describing purgatory and Colin Farrell only goes, oh yeah, you weren't really shit, but you weren't really all that great either. Like Tottenham. Like Tottenham? It's a football club uh, in, I guess, Tottenham, England. Uh, It's like Arsenal. I didn't know if you knew about that or not. Oh, oh, the, um, uh, the, 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 um. The Spurs. the Hotspurs, yeah. I was, yep. I, was, I was trying to get the H out. I couldn't get the <laughs> oh, freaking gotcha. H sound out of my throat. Um, yeah, no, the, the Tottenham Hotspurs and Arsenal are rivals. Oh, okay. And Tottenham has always been like they'll have seasons where they're promising. Yeah. And you know, it's you know, it's like oh no, they're gonna be good, they're gonna be great, and then somebody gets hurt, or it's like oh yeah, no, they're gonna be good, they're gonna be great, and then they have to play like Liverpool, Manchester, Arsenal, and like some other hot team that season, and then they lose all five matches. It was like, well, it's the Hotspurs. Everybody's <laughs> like. <laughs> Apparently, uh, the director is so worried that the Hotspurs are going to start winning and ruin his joke. Like that's a, that's like not going to happen. Don't worry it, about it. It's something he worries about every season, which I just absolutely. It's like the love. Cubs. It's like the Cubs. It's like the Cubs. They might win a World Series like twice every hundred years, but you don't have to really worry about a Cubs joke ever going bad because the majority of people are going to still know them as losers. So I mean, it doesn't really matter. And I'm gonna get flack from family from saying that, so it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any final thoughts on In Bruges before we wrap this up? Uh, I have one more fun fact about In Bruges. Uh, apparently, there are 126 uses of the F word. There's an F word every 1.8 minutes in this movie. I love it. It's a British movie. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. All right. How many times? Uh, apparently, 126. Oh, man. That's close. To what? That's close. Uh, Blink-182 got their name. I believe it's because the F-bomb gets dropped 182 times in Scarface. No, oh, that's, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scarface, right? That's the name of the movie? Yeah. I mean, that's... That's, yeah. that's the name of a Probably. movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that's it. I, I believe that's what it is. But yeah, so that, that gets close. Yeah, it's pretty close. I could be wrong on that, but I remember that from MTV, like from when I was 16. So Was it one of those like pop-up video facts? A... That would have been VH1, oh, no. but this was MTV. I, I heard it on MTV. Video things. 
I heard it on uh, I heard it on MTV. I think it was an interview, so I don't know if it was a joke or if it was real. But you know, it's one of those weird facts in like Blink One Eighty Two's like that weird enough of a band. I totally buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, hold on, I don't think that's I don't think that's the case for Blink One Eighty Two. Oh yeah, so you think? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, it's just a gag. Never mind. The, the the article I clicked on is just the tweet of Tom DeLonge saying uh, it's actually Blink eighteen dash two, like it's not Blink one eighty two. It's just <laughs> I was like, oh. oh yeah, it was a joke because I, I think it was British fans or it was either British European or or um, Australian fans didn't get it that it was supposed to be Blink one eighty two. And they were saying Blink 182. That's yeah. how they thought the name was Ew. like said. Yeah. And so like, yeah. Gross. Yeah, I'm getting this uh, James Corden tweet off of my screen now. Um, <laughs> Devin, you're, you're British now. What do you think of James Corden? He's fine. He's just fine. Okay. I don't I don't have any like strong you, feelings for or against him. He's I guess just you haven't, been, you haven't been over there long enough. Uh, Am I supposed to be obsessed with him? Uh, no, I don't think a lot of people like him. Oh, really? So yeah. Who is he um, again? Is he Voldemort? No, James Corden is the uh, late late show host. Oh yeah, oh, no. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, British people hate him. Yeah. Apparently, I'm right. supposed to love Matt Lucas. I'm getting there, I guess. He's okay on Doctor Who. Yeah. <gasps> Wait. Oh my gosh. Speaking of Doctor Who, they had a deleted scene in this movie. Uh, where it was a young version of Ken, and he was played by Matt Smith. Really? Yeah, it's available on YouTube. Basically, uh, he walks into a police station and decapitates a detective in the middle of the police station. And it only got cut because the decapitation looked too fake. Huh. Yeah, that's I'll, yeah. I completely forgot about that. I watched it in preparation for this. Yeah, it's and that's a Doctor Who thing? Yeah, Matt, Matt, well, Matt Smith is a, he's, I think, the 11th Doctor. Yeah. And people, you are hearing this from a guy who thinks being a Trekkie is too geeky. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm the way I am. Hey, just remember, they, <laughs> it's both, fine. they, they it's cross fine. over in the comic books, so. Yeah, they did. There you go. Um, I, mean, I mean, the Doctor is a Q, pretty much, isn't he? I'm sure. I mean, yeah, he's pretty much sense. a Q, so, I mean... I mean, he doesn't have the magic powers. He just regenerates, so... He also has uh, a screwdriver, though. Yeah. All right. So he's a baby Q. Okay, let's, let's wrap this up, please. <laughs> uh, all right, so, real quick, uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, so we talked about the, the Harry Potter connection of the three main characters. Can you guys think of the other franchise that two of these guys are, are connected to? It's kind of a trick question. Pirates of the Caribbean? No. No, what is it? Batman. I'm just throwing that out there because I had British people on it. Oh, Batman. It's Batman. Ray Fiennes plays Alfred in Lego Batman. And Colin, oh. Farrell, Colin Farrell is playing Oswald Cobblepot in The Batman, which we get to see next year. I didn't know he was. That's really cool. Yeah. You can't recognize him under all the makeup they have him in because he looks like Oswald Cobblepot without the monocle. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it, um, especially when he uh, takes off the makeup and turns into Johnny Depp at the end. So, <laughs> ew. <laughs> but yeah, that's what that was my influence for the Batman shirt today. So, oh, I like that. Yeah. All right. So next week it is Ryan's turn. Ryan, what are you gonna have us watch? Goldfinger. Gold, Gold member. Gold, Gold member. Okay. Gold, Gold member. member. I was gonna say. Yeah. It's not what you said before. <laughs> okay, I just uh, want to say though, I am passing up having, uh, because this is how important I feel it is. This is how important I feel. Okay. I am passing up Terminator Two, Speed, Predator, and The Running Man. Wow, Those I was going to pick ones. from that list to do that one. I'm kind I'm of excited. upset that you're making him watch a Austin Powers sequel instead of the best sequel of all time. Do you want to know why? Speed. No, because when Devin said, I haven't seen the third one, what was your response, Alan? Meh. You're better off. That's why. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm... 
I mean, I'm still, I'm more upset that he hasn't seen the sequel to Terminator, but the good sequel to Terminator at that. <laughs> Say, I saw number three. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I know how it happened. But you've seen the first one too, right? Yeah, I've seen the first You've seen the first one. I've seen one in Okay, because I, yeah, because... I used to get that in your aliens fiasco, like all confused oh, all the time oh, we talk about it. I know why he's not having us do Terminator next week. He doesn't want me to make, oh, hey, it's the guy from Fortnite jokes again. <laughs> I actually didn't even think about that. Is, is Terminator part of that now? Oh, yeah, he yeah. is. Okay, we're going to do Running Man then next for my next one. <laughs> okay. All right, so next tune in next week when Ryan has Devin watch Austin Powers in Goldmember. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch that whole franchise now. Oh, it's a, it. it's good. I love those movies. I rewatched <laughs> Man of Mystery a few week, few months ago, like back when I first got HBO Max. Was that a year ago? About Ugh. yeah. Ew. Ugh. I cannot wait for Devin to be introduced to Foxy Cleopatra, though. I cannot wait for this to happen. Is that Beyonce's character? Maybe. Yeah, it is. Maybe. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. I cannot wait for this. Yeah. It's going to be great. Okay, <laughs> so tune in next week when Ryan has Devin watch uh, Austin Powers in Goldmember. Until then, make sure to like us on Facebook. If you're watching on Instagram or if you're watching on Twitch, go ahead and hit that follow button to find out when we're going live again. Uh, we w- should be playing some games on here later this week, yep. Devin, right? Yeah. Um, so tune in for that. You can also follow us on Instagram for all the latest episode news and things like that. Uh, you can also listen to this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, you can have your Alexa play. You have to watch this podcast. I've done it. It's cool. Oh, that's cool. I, it's especially cool when I have Samuel L. Jackson do it. Um, <laughs> and if you want to see that, follow us on Instagram because I will do that this week. But until next time for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And... Bruges is in Belgium. It's in Belgium. Yep.